Today we're going to continue on this message of trusting God, and I'm going to share some things today that I believe will be very insightful and helpful to you as you walk this life out. Um, I believe this subject is important, and I want you to realize this. I am not telling you to trust God. That is a functional way of seeing these two words on the screen. And God is not telling you to just trust. There's an invitation that God gives, and you've heard me say it many times, is instead of hearing the words from God, do you trust me, which many times we come back and go, oh, I just, uh, okay, let's try it again, Lord. The question is what? Will you trust me? You're catching it. And one is an invitation. One is to say, you know what? I'm not going to show you all the cards. I'm not going to tell you all that we're going to do and where we're going to go and how we're going to get you and how long it's going to take you to get there. What I'm going to say is, will you trust me? And when we realize that he does not, he'll, he'll, he'll initiate talking about the destination for a moment, but the primary intention of God is the journey of discovering who he is for you and who you are to him. Because when you realize who he is to you and who you are to him, the destination no longer makes any difference to you. Because now your heart's intention is to what? To know the one that you're walking with. Let's say you're going on a walk with your, let's just say a honeymoon walk with your newly found spouse, okay? Let's just make sure that the heightened emotion is there because sometimes it's not there after some years. So this is a honeymoon walk with your wife and she just wants to go for a walk. And what if you became so destination-minded? You're like, okay, where are we walking to? Oh, no, let's just go for a walk. Okay, uh, but let's pick a place. Like, let's not just go for a walk. What happens is that frustrates the journey. But when you realize in that moment, man, I'm just with my newly found wife and we are just going to walk. Let's just enjoy getting to walk with each other. When you get there, that's the fulfillment of life. So the fulfillment is not going to heaven. The fulfillment is not entering the promised land. The fulfillment is not getting a better job or a bigger raise or a nicer car or that person that you want to marry. That's not the fulfillment of life. The fulfillment is knowing who he is to you and who you are to him and learning what that looks like and learning to go, man, God, I just want to know you more. I want to discover more about you. So that buzzing is still going. Are you guys good? Are you guys able to focus here? Okay. So today I want to just share a few insights that I've discovered through my journey of learning and my experience with God. I find many believers, many of you that I get to talk to on a consistent basis, discontented, and I've been here before, discontented with the season of life that they're in. Because something in that season is not right. Something in that season does not line up with how life should be. And so we're in this season and we come very agitated because we wish we would rather be there. Or I should be further along. Or I just don't like what's happening to me here. And so what happens is our entire relationship with God gets defined by my discontentedness of this season. And so now my conversation with God is all about one thing. God, change this or get me out of here. Because I will be happier where? Over there. 
or over there, or over there, or over there, over there, over there. And we're always waiting for something else to now fulfill us internally. But when you realize the kingdom of God is within, and the kingdom of God is joy, peace, and righteousness, that's within. That you can be at a place of complete joy in the midst of chaos. And no longer is this life now about God fix this. It's about I'm grateful that I'm yours and you are mine. And now you're at a place of internal peace. And that's why Jesus lived the way that he did because he wasn't set on just a destination. Like I have to get there in order for me to be happy or fulfilled. And so I watch and I observe believers who say, I've been here before, we say that we trust God, but yet there's anxiety and uneasiness inside of us. Are you following me? Okay, I want you to realize, and there's no condemnation in this statement, when you are trusting God, there is no more anxiousness inside of you. And I'm going to show you why that's the case. It doesn't mean you won't feel it. It doesn't mean it's not going to come to you. It means that when you're at a complete place of rest because you know that the one who is leading me is for me and not against me and he's God and he does not lie, I can rest in that. The anxiousness begins to leave because you no longer are trying to figure out how he's going to do it. And so many people are eager to move on and to enter a new and hopefully better season of life because they're either discontented with what they're facing or they remain because of what they're scared of where they're going. And those things reveal something. What are they revealing? They're revealing that I don't know fully the God that is leading me. Because trust is not something you muster up. Trust is a response from knowing the one that you're walking with. When you say these words about somebody else, I'm trying to trust them, it's an indictment on them, isn't it? Because you're not sure if you can fully trust what they said. I'm, trying, I'm, I'm trusting that what my boss promised me, I'm trusting that what he said is true. And so we're trying to muster up this hope or this trust toward the one that we know could actually fail us. With God, it's differently. You don't try to learn how to trust. You get to know the one who is God. And the more that you know him, the more that your trust begins to rise. That you no longer work on your faith. You work on knowing your father. And when you realize who he is and who you are to him, and that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, never leave you nor forsake you, and he will always lead you to where he wants you to go, you can just rest in the place of his love and be secure knowing that you're in good hands. Amen? Thank you for whoever just clapped there. I know I'm personally in your life to call you up. To call you up into the things that God has already birthed on the inside of your heart. To call you up and to say, you know what? Whatever it is that God planted long ago, maybe it's dormant, maybe it's dead, maybe you've pushed it to the side, maybe you're scared, maybe you're like, you know what? I've, I've disqualified myself. I feel like I'm in your life to say, go at it again. Believe again. 
Trust God again. Watch God re, uh, uh, cause that thing inside, that thing that you believe that you were supposed to do maybe many years ago. God is saying, you know what? It's going to resurrect it. This is a new day. This is something that he is rebirthing on the inside of us to cause you to step in those things that maybe you feel like, ah, I just don't think I can do that. I am not qualified, God. And that's the reason why I preach the way that I do is to call you up into who you are and to who he is for you. And our trust with God is 100% based on my relationship to him, which means this. Trusting God has nothing to do with circumstances. Now think about that. My circumstances become irrelevant to me trusting the one that I know is with me. Who he is to me and who I am to him. So my trust is rooted in one thing. His love for me. His love for me. For me is not based upon me. Are you following me? His love toward me is not based upon me. It's based upon him. And if he is the same yesterday. And if he's the same today. And if he's the same tomorrow. That means that his love is steady. His love is not determined by me. His love is determined by him. Because he's God. The reason why I'm subject to so many people in emotions and things like that, I'm human. God is above us. He is not subject to us. Therefore, he is moved by one entity himself alone. And so my faith now works through his love for me. That's where my faith comes alive. So when you see somebody who has this great amount of faith and you see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Wow, they did this and they had this miracle and they believed God for this and they did this. But you do not have love. It's what? It's nothing. So my faith is not how great I can look to anybody else. My faith is when I'm fully rested. And this took me 19 years, literally 19 years as a believer to finally rest internally in his love. To never have to think. It's probably been about a year and actually a little before we started this. So by two years. Where not once has it entered my mind in two years. And it used to enter my mind daily. God, how do you feel about me today? Can you imagine the rest that you must expect? Because I'm sure many of you are like, I don't know how he feels about me today. I don't know how he felt about me yesterday or the day before. And so we're constantly in this ebb and flow of wondering, God, how are you feeling about me today? How is your disposition toward me? And to be at that place of rest, it allows me now to go and freely love others. To freely serve him because I'm not looking to go, if I serve, God, am I doing a good enough job serving you? No, I, need to, I now can rest and I can now preach to you something that I've received from him without feeling like I have to impress anybody because I'm secure in one thing and it's his love for me. Galatians 5, 6, this will be on the screen, Johnny, good job. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. So that means, man, that he was talking to those who were Jews and Gentiles alike and the Jews were like, whoa, you guys need to be circumcised. The Gentiles are like, are you kidding me? Why? Well, because that's how you're known by God. That's how you're, you're signed off that you are somebody that God has stamped his approval upon. And Paul is saying, 
For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, that actually avails to nothing. If you are, it doesn't mean anything to God. If you're not, it doesn't mean anything but faith working through what? Through love. At the end of the day, God's transformation for all of our lives is not you becoming a better Christian, you having better words, you thinking better thoughts, and you acting better toward others. That is not the goal of God. The goal of God is to transform you into one who embodies love. Okay, let me just say this again. This is how I used to see Christianity, okay? Is I got saved, and now I need to what? Grow in Christ, right? And so growing in Christ, there's a certain way a Christian should look, right? So if I'm growing in Christ, we say these words, man, I just got saved, and now you know what? I'm not talking like I used to. I'm not thinking like I used to. I'm not watching what I used to. I'm not acting toward others. And so we look at that, and we see that as a measuring stick of somebody who is now what? Growing in Christ. But that's not God's goal. God's goal is not to make us all become better looking Christians and better talking Christians and better thinking Christians. He wants who he is to be deposited into us and he is love so that we are now embodying that. So wherever we go, it's not about that we talk better, think better, preach better, sing better, do all those things. It's that I now see everyone the way that he sees them. Because if I see them, think about this, if I see them, as I can't stand them, but I'm going to do my best to what? Love them is that love. That's practicing being a Christian. But if the transformation that he brings me is, Justin, I want you to see them the way that I see them. I want you to see why I die for people that you don't think are deserving of my sacrifice. I want you to see that my love for people, that you look at them and you don't think they're deserving of it. I want you to see them the way that I do. And when I see that, I go, oh, I'm transformed. Not because I try to love them better. It's because I see them the way that God sees them. That's transformation. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was not a good Christian. Amen. He wasn't showing us how to be a good Christian. He was showing us how to stay connected to the vine, and that vine would produce through us the life that we're, we're trying to say, hey, I'm a branch. I'm, we pull our branch off the vine and go, God, you watch me do this. Like, watch how good of a branch I am. Watch me produce fruit. We don't realize it eventually shrivels up and doesn't have the power, the source to produce. And so we can mask things, and in church we can look a certain way and talk a certain way, and the God, or Jesus looked at the, the Pharisees at this time. He goes, man, your dishes look so great on the outside, but they're so dirty on the inside. You still see people with a judgmental point of view. You see people from a perspective that I don't see people like that. And so many of us are trying hard to believe when all we should be doing is just seeking a greater revelation of his love for us. The more that you realize how much you really are loved by God, like he is not deciding today how much he'll love you. And he doesn't decide at the end of the day how much he still loves you. Like he is not, that's not part of his equation when he comes towards you. And so when we're unsure about this, it leaves us at a place of trying to trust this one that we don't really know. And as we begin to have a greater revelation of who God is for us, what happens is we naturally are responding rather than forcing this thing called trust. And so when I'm trusting God, all I'm doing is responding to who he is. 
That's all I'm doing. I'm not trying to work it up. I'm not trying to say, you know what, I really need faith for this, and I need faith for this. Gal, that was good, wasn't it? (laughs) Faith for this. No, no, what I'm doing is I'm just, literally, when you fall in love with somebody, what happens is naturally there's a response that comes with that. You're not trying to muster it up. And this is what Jesus said right here, uh, Luke chapter 12. He says, do not fear, little flock. And he's reminding them something here. For it is your father's what? Good pleasure, his intention to give you the kingdom of God. And you've heard me say this probably more than you ever want to hear, but God is what? He's always good. He always has your best in mind, and he's always setting you up to succeed. What that means is this, is that as I'm living my life, and I believe that, in my heart I believe, God, you're always good, you always have my best in mind, and you're always setting me up to succeed, and then something happens that's unexpected, and I didn't deserve it, and it wasn't right. If I believe that... I see what happened as him being able to use it to set me up to do what he's called me to do. I don't see it as, God, take this away, please. And we, we now consume by making this disappear, whatever bad happened to us, because it's upsetting our life. Rather than, God, I know this is not from you, but I know that you use these things for your glory. And you know what happened yesterday? I've never personally heard this before, and I just want to share it with you, and you guys take, it, take with it and go study it for yourselves. I was mowing the lawn yesterday, and this thought came to me, and it just rocked my internal world, is the question came to my mind, why does God allow these bad things to happen to people? And it went from my summer who has diabetes to somebody who gets raped to somebody who gets molested to somebody who gets in an accident to somebody who dies. Why does he allow those things? And the answers that I'm sure come in your mind, or maybe you don't even have answers for that. I didn't, except the one answer that I mainly have heard is because God has given people what? Free? Yep. But what about this? And this just made me all the more in love with my father when he said you know why I allow anything that I allow because I can take anything and use it for my glory I I don't see rape the way that you see it Justin because that person that was raped and there's no diminishing it with God is going I can use that person who got something horribly done to them and I can make something extremely beautiful as something so ugly that's why I allow certain things in this life I can allow your daughter who has diabetes and you wonder, God, why did you allow it? Because I can do something with that. I'm the only one that can do something with something so bad and so ugly and I can make it beautiful and glorify my kingdom. That's why I allow it, Justin, because I don't think like you. Justin, I don't see things like you. And you wonder why I allow things because I can do something with anything that you give me. And no matter how something happened in your life and you have the question, God, why did you allow this to me? Because I can do something with it. And what I'm going to do with it is I'm going to now proclaim my glory to the entire world if you will let me. But if we get bent on that very thing, God, why did you allow this? And we're allowing our anger toward him rather than just enjoying, man, you're always good. You always have my best in mind and you're always saying, okay, God, 
I trust that. Now do something with the pain that I have. And what happens is God is now able to make all things work together for the good. That's who our God is, amen? And if we get stuck in that place, we miss out on what God can do with something that may be so ugly. And so this is the definition we worked from last week on trust. And, and I, I know it's long, but I did my best to compact it because I really want you to hear the heart of it is trust is my response to my father's love to allow him to lead me regardless of the cost or my ability to understand why he's asking this. Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, the one that you love. Yes, that son. (laughs) And I want you to take him and I want you to offer him to me. What was Abraham's response? Let's do this. He said, here I am. The next day he said, we're going to go and worship God to his servants. And he simply followed, responding to what? A father's love. God had asked Sarah and I to do some things that I mentioned to you last week that were big steps of faith, walking away from certain things. And it's our response to our father's love to go Wherever you lead, I'm going to follow. No matter what steps we take and what it may look like, Father, I am trusting you because I know you and I know how much you love me. And so true rest or peace that we're all looking for, God has built us and designed us all to long for internal peace. And you see it in the world is that he's built us to have internal peace. But we think our internal peace is dependent upon external circumstances. If that's the case, if those two are linked, then that means my life is dictated completely by if circumstances line up for me. But if my peace comes from the Prince of Peace that now lives on the inside of me, then no longer do circumstances have to line up a particular way for me to experience peace. I can experience it every single day because Jesus himself lives within me. And he is the prince of peace. And his peace, he says, I give to you that you may partake of it. And so true peace is experienced when we are dependent upon this source. Are you following me? Because what happens if this is disconnected? Now remember that sheep that wanders feels like he probably deserves to be what? Punished for what he did. So he believes, now now think about this, if he has the perspective that that shepherd is coming to punish him, can you imagine the insecurity that lives within him? What if he he wandered, but he realized he will find me because he loves me? He's now at a place of rest knowing I'm not where I should be, but I know my father's going to find me. And what happens is he has a place of rest because he's secure in who the shepherd is toward him. So more money helps, but it doesn't bring true and lasting rest. More fame might be nice, but it doesn't bring true and lasting rest. More accomplishments 
doesn't bring true and lasting peace. More possessions don't bring true and lasting peace. Having more business doesn't bring true and lasting peace. Those are all temporary. Those are all things that may aid you in being able to be a happier person, but those are not the source of peace. My source is not from Sarah. My source is not from my kids. My source is not from you as a congregation members of this church. My source is from one thing. My source of peace comes from him. And if I get it from him, then I no longer need it from you. And if I don't need it from you, then I'm not placing expectations upon anybody to make sure that you make my life more peaceful. Then I can actually now meet you right where you're at because you're not someone that needs to fulfill something for me. And now I can meet you there. I don't need you to pretend. I don't need you to be super happy when you walk in here. I need you to be right where you're at so God can go, let me meet you there. That's what love does, and that's what love is freeing all of us to finally take off some masks, to take some things off and go, this is where I'm at, and this is who I am, and this is a tough, tough week, this is a tough month, this is a tough whatever it is, good, let us love you right there, watch you be transformed by God's love, start to see things differently, and now you're like, you know what, this is a tough week, but God is with me, man, I feel at peace, Justin, I feel at peace, why do I feel at peace when all this around me is going crazy? Because you were introduced to a person, not just a technique, not just a function of how to be a better Christian, following me. Look at Isaiah 26, verse 3, you, this is speaking of God, will keep him, that's speaking of us, in what? Perfect peace how many want some perfect peace just eliminate some people eliminate some stuff that way that's that's totally against this message but you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed where so do you see if that's true and i'm the enemy what i'm going to try to do to wiggle something so your mind goes somewhere else rather than who and when I'm no longer getting my source here, why? Because life is not letting me even have time to spend with him. My mind now is over here, and this is where we hear statements of like, I just can't stand, yep, so-and-so. You had a name though, didn't you? I, <laughs> I just can't stand so-and-so, oh, if I, ever, if I ever saw them again, or if did it, and so what happens is our mind is where? No longer stayed on him, it's now stayed on that person, that situation, what happened there? God, why did you allow that? There's no peace. And it says, whose mind is stayed on you, and why is the mind stayed on him? Because I trust that you are always good, you always have my best in mind, and you're always setting me up to succeed at what you've called me to do. He didn't set you all up to be super, super rich and super, super famous and super, super this. He set you up to succeed at what he's called you to do if he called joseph to be the right hand command of pharaoh guess what he's doing a 13 year quick little project of turning this young boy into a man of god who will not compromise when he stands at the right hand of pharaoh so he has to just like every good teacher is going to do throw some test in your way to make sure you're on track to where you need to go and he does it because he loves you and he's setting you up. He's getting you ready for what he's called you to do. At all the while, fixated on the moment and not the destination. So I want to make this statement. And I think it's, if there's one statement you hear all today, it's this one. 
God is leading all of us to a place of dependency and intimacy. What that means is that there are certain security blankets in our life. Things that we go, this makes me this way. And it defines us, if we didn't have it, our world would be upset. It would be chaos. And so God is always leading us to a place of dependency and intimacy. Because when you're intimate with the Father, you know that you know that you know I can trust him. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it. I don't even know if he's going to do it the way that I want him to. But I do know him. And because I know him, I know he's faithful to lead me to a place where he's taking me. And then the dependency is realizing my security is not coming from any other source except one. Guys, I've been there. I was there for 16 years. And the reason why I'm preaching the way that I am is because I know what it's like to have security blankets. I know what it's like to be a Christian thumbsucker and say, this, is the, this, this makes me feel good, God. And you know what made me feel good? My function. The way that I performed for God was my security blankets. The way that I obeyed God, the way that I did what I was supposed to do as a Christian young man, that was the very thing that gave me identity. That was the thing that gave me what I felt like I needed to keep on going in this life, that I can make him happy. But at some point, God goes, whoa, 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 Justin, now think this, Justin, I am leading you away from that. Wait, you're leading me away from obedience and being a good Christian? Yes, because I want to lead you to a place where you're not obeying me because you think it makes me happy. You're obeying me because we're intimate. Where you're now dependent upon me for what? How you feel as a Christian. So the, the way that I feel, toward, or feel about myself toward God is not based no longer on whether I woke up at five to pray. Now, if you don't pray at all, you're not going to do well as a Christian. I can tell you that right now. But I no longer based my feelings toward that. I woke up knowing, Father, I receive your love today. I know I, I don't ever deserve it. I can't earn it. That's no longer part of the equation. So, Father, I just receive everything you have for me today. And I can receive freely. Why? Because I'm no longer. He led me away from function into intimacy. And now I can be dependent upon him as the source. Am I making any sense today? Okay. In my mind, it's like it's not computing with my words. So... You should be up here sometimes. It's weird. Um, so can we all agree that God's ways are not our ways? He doesn't think like you. He doesn't feel like you. He doesn't act like you. He, his ways are not our ways. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord Almighty. And my ways are not your ways. When I finally just go, okay, I get it. I don't think like you. So if I think about something a certain way, like, God, why did you allow it? And my thoughts go, well, free will. He introduced me to an upgraded thought of going, because I can take whatever I allowed and turn it into something amazing. Oh, okay, wow, I don't think like that at all, God. I would rather not have certain things that you allow, but if you're going to do something with it, okay, you are the potter, I am the clay. And so we oftentimes live contrary to that belief that he thinks differently than us and that he feels differently than us. And so we like to believe that God operates and thinks like we do. And 
I'm here to tell you that he doesn't. He thinks very differently than us, and he sees very differently than us. That's why we have, at times, a difficult time trusting God. And this is why Solomon exhorts us with these words in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. He says, trust in who? Now, I want you to see, remember, trust is a response. It's not a command. If you please hear those words, it's important. He is not saying, trust the Lord. All right, I'm going to try to trust you. No, no, no. Trust the one that you know is good, he's perfect, he's righteous, he's just, he's faithful, he's holy. Trust that one. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. That means your rest. That means you're, you're not 99 in and one going. It's, Father, I trust you. Where, where are we going today? How are we going to, how are we going to, you know, those questions don't even come to your mind. How and when and where and how long, those questions. Now, and there's not wrong. There's a place of intimacy. And let me say this. I, I really want to make sure this is clear. However my relationship with God is and how I communicate about me and God, that's me and God. You also have a relationship with God. It means we stick to the same Bible, but he's going to show you things about him that he, maybe I don't, I'm not focused on right now because that's not where I'm at. And I don't want you to go and practice the Justin way of relating to God. That, is, that, is, that, that would defeat the whole purpose of New Day. Like we would totally go back to what we're not supposed to. Is I want you to realize, trust in the Lord that knows you, that you're his and he is yours. Trust in that one. Don't trust in my God. Don't trust in the God that I'm talking about. Trust in the one that you see in the scriptures, that you meet with personally. Trust in that Lord with all your heart. Because if you try to hear my God stories and then put your trust in this one, no, no, go, no, go meet him. And watch, trust comes out of that. And it says this, and lean not on your, which means this, that's not a bad thing. It means that when I'm trusting God, when something happens, my understanding is going to rise to the top. The question is, what do you do with it? And if I take that understanding and go, okay, this is how I see it. This is how I feel. I'm fearful. I'm anxious. I don't know how it's going to work. God, I want questions. I want answers. When are you going to do this? Okay, I take all those things. Because I know you, God, you're always what? Always have my best in mind. Always setting me up. I can finally give you my understanding and go, God, I give it to you. Let's do this. And that is a place of what? Complete rest. Because no longer you can have all those questions. But all I found sometimes is God goes, like, are you going to answer me? No, I want you to give them to me. You give them to him. And he goes, okay, now I can lead you properly. Because now as I lead you down the valley of the shadow of death, you won't be wondering why are we in the valley. You'll be going, I'm with one who is always good. He always has my best in mind and he's always setting me up. So this valley actually has a purpose. Sarah said these phrases um, probably right when Summer was getting diagnosed, that there's purpose in the pain. And when you see that God, the one who is leading you so good to you and he's so in love with you and he's so ready to take you on an adventure that you may never have de designed your own when you just finally go okay finally uh, okay go let's do it God 
then it doesn't matter if you're in a valley or a mountaintop. That doesn't make any difference. The only thing that matters is who you're with. And if he's with you in the valley or if he's with you in the mountaintop, when you finally realize how good he is, you're like, God, it doesn't matter which way we go. And that's why I shared with you probably about seven months ago that there are these two seasons that he takes all of us through. I think we're okay in time. Two seasons that he takes us through. This is going to be, actually, let me... Yeah, let's go there. Okay, it should be on the screen right there. There's a season of his presence, and there's a season of his apparent absence. Okay, these seasons both are designed by a good God. Both are designed with a purpose in mind. A season of his presence is where you're experiencing the fruit of your labor, where you're experiencing the presence of God, where you actually get into the word and you're like, whoa, 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 God, okay, slow down, God. I have to write all these things down. We're on, you're on a lawnmower and it's just like downloading to you. That's a season of his presence. Then there's a season of his apparent absence where you're on the lawnmower and you're thinking about things you shouldn't think about. And you're like, God, what happened? What, where, where'd you go? And he's showing us something in both of these seasons. The season of his absence or apparent absence is where he goes, I want to know if you'll trust that I'm with you even though you may not feel it. I want you to trust that I'm speaking to you although you may not be hearing me. I want you to trust that I'm still, when you read my word and the word doesn't pop out in the pages to you, that this is still my word. I want you to trust that if I said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you and you don't feel that I'm there, that you trust that I'm there. That's a season of his absence. That's where we grow up. That's where we mature. That's where we start to learn how to walk by faith. That's when the, my little daughter, when she was one and a half years old, learning how to walk, what do dads do? The little girl gets up and they wobble over and what do dads do? They back up. To that daughter, it's extremely mean. Why? He, she just wants to be where? In her daddy's arms. But the daddy realizes if I back up, she may take a what? A few more steps. And if she takes a few more steps, she may get stronger and learn how to walk better. So what I'm seeing is her learning how to walk. What she's seeing is a mean daddy who is walking away from me. And when you perceive it from that side, then you're like, God, why, why, why can't I feel you anymore? I come in a new day and I raise my hand. I don't even feel your presence. It's okay. That's okay. That's a good season to be in. Oh, Justin, what are you talking about? This is stupid. No, that's a good season because you're learning how to worship God without feeling his presence. Can you imagine the power that is in your life where you could worship and praise God, not because you feel like it, but because you know that he's with you? And then there's moments when you raise your hands, and man, the presence of God is all over you. The other one, you think, God, what did I do wrong, right? What did I do wrong, God? I don't feel you anymore. Oh, it's okay. It's designed that way. It's designed to say, God, I may not feel you right now, but I praise your name, and I worship you, and I give you all the praise, because I know you said you're with me, and you never lie. Now he goes, you got it, my son. You got it. That's how you walk by faith. And this other one is like, holy cow, God, you're overwhelming with your goodness and your love. He's not blessing me and not blessing them. These are both a blessing. Both of them. And I don't know what season you're in, but it goes in and out sometimes of realizing, man, sometimes I have to plow in this word. And sometimes this word just plows over me. And there's a difference of a season that we're in. Valleys are often seasons of his apparent absence, where you start to question, God, why am I in this valley? When you start asking that, guess what comes up to your mind? 
well, I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. But God's probably like, you know what? You deserve that valley. No. He's with you in that valley, and he's going to take something in that valley and allow you to walk out of it and look back and go, I thank God for that valley. If you don't see it the way that I am, you'll come out of the valley and go, I, I wanted so badly to put my middle finger up toward the valley, but I don't know another <laughs> way of doing it. But you look at the valley and you go, you know what? Never again. I hate that season. Because you saw it from a perspective that that wasn't a blessing because you didn't feel like God was good to you during that season. So when he reveals himself, he's presence, he makes himself known, he's blessing us. But when he hides, sometimes he does, he's building us and allowing us to learn how to live contrary to how we feel. He's teaching us that. So God desires us to all be a people that rest fully in him. And he'll do whatever he needs to do to bring you to that place. And some of us are like, like, but he doesn't drag. So I don't know why I just did that. But it feels like that. <laughs> he, he, he sits and he stands with us and he persuades us and he coaches us and he loves us and he goes, I got this. I got you. We're going to be okay. And I know Sarah had mentioned this to me a couple of years ago, but she had said, Justin, please just tell me. And I know I don't do it enough, Sarah, but she, please just tell me that everything's going to be right with Summer. Like, just reassure me that everything's going to be all right with that. And that's where we are with God sometimes. As, and he's okay with that. Like, guys, don't beat yourself up. We, we, we don't see like him. So when he takes us through a process and we don't know why we're here, ask him, God, reassure me that you know what you're doing. <laughs> like, reassure me that we're not lost. Like, you know, sometimes I know people who are lost, but they act like they're not lost. Like, no, God... Are you sure we're here for a reason? And then ask him, who do you want to be for me right now in this season? And don't answer that question for yourself. Let him answer it for you. Because sometimes we get clouded and go, God, I, I want you to be this for me. And God goes, oh, no, no, no. I want to be this for you right now. Not that, because I want to reveal something about me to you. Give me a couple more minutes. Let me finish off with this thought. As a good shepherd, he's going to lead you according to his goodness. Look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. It says, he will what? Feed the flock. He will gather the lambs. He will carry them, and he will lead. If you can get a picture of God like that, your life will be very different. He feeds he gathers, he carries, and he leads. That's a father. That's a shepherd. The Lord is my, I shall not lack. Why? Because he will feed me, he will gather me, he will carry me, and he will lead me. And so you may wander, and I'll finish off with this passage, or even fall, but like any good shepherd... He will always be there to pick you up. And I believe he's doing that today in some people's lives. Let me share this verse. Psalms 37. It's not going to be on the screen, actually. Psalms 37, 23, and 24. It says, the steps of a good man 
are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in my way. Though I may fall, I will not be cast down, for the Lord upholds me with his right hand. Have you ever taught a young person to ride a bike? It's a horrible experience. So I'm holding on to Carly's shirt, which she didn't like, but she needed, but she didn't want to do it anyways, but we were going to do it. And as she's riding, I'm running with her, and it's wobbling, and then they freak out, and then they get scared, and then they start to just, we're going down. And as she falls, guess what I have? I'm upholding her by my right arm. Same thing with God, is that he's going to lead, and it doesn't mean he goes, okay, hey, today we're going to go do this today. No, no, he doesn't do that. He goes, okay, uh, let's ride a bike today. Oh, God, I have no clue how to do that. Oh, it's okay. Just go. And that's what he does. I feel like pastoring New Day. Hey, Justin, we're going to pastor New Day, and we're not going to do it the way that you ever thought you would. We're not going to do this, 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 this. That's why we don't have a lot of things here at the church. Very intentional by God, I think, for this specific church. So, Justin, okay, God, but how do you do all that? Oh, don't worry about it, Justin. Just ride. I got you. And then there's tumbling and falling points. Oh, no, no, don't worry. I got you. Get back up. And my daughter didn't get back up. She's like, I'm done. I'm done with this. This, <laughs> this is stupid, Dad. Who needs to ride a bike anyways, right? And, uh, and some of us get to that point where we're like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to ride the bike anymore. This is, this, is, this, is not, this is not even fun. I know, but it will be fun. Justin, it will be adventurous. And that's the way I feel is that God says, I'm ordering your steps. I delight in your way. Though you may fall, it's not because I wasn't there. I'm actually upholding you with my right arm. And so today there's some people in this room. We're going to sing one final song, and this one I'm going to ask. Sing one final song, and if that's you, that you, God goes, you know what? Maybe you've wandered, maybe you've fallen, maybe you wondered why God allowed that. Maybe you wondered why he feels absent to you. Um, I'm going to ask that you just acknowledge that to God while we sing. Just acknowledge it to him saying, God, that I know you know that you know that I know that that's me. And, and I, I acknowledge it. And Father, I'm accepting the invitation to trust. Not, do you trust me? God is saying, will you trust me? I'm accepting that, God, to follow your lead. Because you are a good shepherd and you love me because you're love. Amen? Would you please stand with me? So just sing a portion of that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something right after this song. So if everybody could just sing this song together as a community. And then I have one more thing to share right when I'm done. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen. 
I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am chosen. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am. Oh, I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. We will trust everything and all your leading and all your goodness that we will leave here as sons and daughters, not wondering how you feel about us and how you think about us, but knowing that we can be completely secure in your love for us no matter where we go and where you lead us.